six studio albums, two live albums, and multiple additional singles. The Teenage Dirtbag Photos trend has now been embraced by nearly a million people. Waitus. It's so good to have you guys on. Brendan and Matthew from Waitus, welcome to Q Radio. No, thanks for having us. I apologize. I've got to start with an apology because I, I would imagine that every interview that you guys do right at the start, all people want to do is talk about Teenage Dirtbag, right? <laughs> now, you know, it's not all of them. La- all the last, of them. last guy saved it till the end, like we do when we play. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was, when I was said this over, obviously about the show and stuff in Belfast and, and everything else, and I want to talk about, you know, what you guys are doing now with music and, and the tour and everything else, but to, um, to, it would, it would be impossible for me not to, to bring up Teenage Dirtbag, mainly because it was the year 2000, millennium year. Like, I was 11, okay? Wow. I think back, and, you know, there are a small handful of songs that I remember from growing up and through, you know, my childhood, teenage years. Like, those first songs, if people ask you, what's the first song, like, you, you remember really listening to and really falling in love with? And there's a small, small handful of songs. I remember growing up, those first songs that made me fall in love with music and probably led me to having the job I have today on the radio. Um, wow. I don't have a music on my body, so I had to find another way to get into music, so radio it was. Uh, and that, of course, was Teenage Dirtbag. Well, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that is wow, amazing. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, yeah, the only thing I remember from that age is just being obsessed with Angus Young. Um, yeah, mm. yeah, Angus Young, ACDC. That was yeah, that was all I cared about that year. I think it was probably 83, 84, 85, where that was... That was becoming my world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, I kind of relate a little bit. I think it was uh, initially, at least, you shook me all night long. Was the, was the track that did wow. that, that put me in that place. Oh, um, what a, what a, what a song. Yeah, yeah. For a forever tune. Yeah. But don't, don't this, don't discount or, or um, you know, teenage dirtbag. I don't have to tell you like how big the song was because I mean fast forward to 2022 and all of a sudden it pops up yet again as this massive viral TikTok trend was that yeah a bit mad for you guys to see it was crazy well all kidding aside all kidding aside we are we are really quite lucky to have a song like that um you know I love I love playing that song we as a band never gotten tired of it it's not that kind of tune it's not like a cover or something somebody mm-hmm. else wrote for you or something like that. It's what came from us and we're super proud of it. And, and the fact that it keeps coming back, like you mentioned, like a TikTok thing or any of these like One Direction playing it or any of the things that have happened over the years, mm-hmm. it just kind of surprises us. We're just like, wow, this is, this is like, why, why do we keep getting to do this? Like, it's so, it's such a, a surprise. We've never really lost touch with them. Um, I guess that age that you talked about where it's like, you know, you, when I was that age, I was listening to Angus play and I was thinking, man, if I could do any version of what he's doing for, for in my life, I, that would be it. I would feel satisfied. And that song allows us to do that. That song is the song that makes it possible for us to keep being a band. So we're, we never, we never feel negatively about it at all. Um, totally. Yeah. 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 No, it seems like the sort of thing that like, for whatever reason, Cause it really does speak to people of that age, doesn't it? Like, you know, that's that adolescent, mm-hmm. so many adolescent feelings in that song that just, it still resonates with kids to this day. And we are so fortunate that things keep happening 
that keep putting it in front of those kids. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's no reason why someone 11, 12, 13 years old now should be hearing this song, but here we are with the, the TikTok thing blowing up, uh, people covering it, as Brennan pointed out. Like it's all these things that have managed to keep it alive and keep it in people's minds, or sometimes it getting put in a popular TV show or, you know, wh whatever it is, um, has kept it um, refreshed generation to generation. And it, it honestly doesn't feel like anything we're doing to make that happen. It feels like it's the universe pushing it out there for us. And we're just mm -hmm. like, as Brennan said, so lucky and so grateful that it continues to resonate with people after, you know, now yeah, 23 it's, years. It's mad. It doesn't feel like a song that's 22 or 23 years old. You know, it's, it's, no, it's still right? sounding fresh. And as you said, it, it's getting passed down to younger generations, but then also that kind of first generation that caught it like mine. Like I still play that in all of my DJ sets. <laughs> yes, I would say Thank even you. more fortunate that it seems like the original generation are still not tired of it somehow. They're, they're not It's not just all. the younger people. Everyone is still on board for it, which is, that was always the thing we were the most worried about. Like the number of times we've thought to ourselves, like, man, are people finally getting tired of this song? And then something else happens that just pushes it back into uh, people's, you know, push it back, pushes it back into people's minds again. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's just one of them tracks. Like, it's in DJ sets. I, it's obviously still all over the radio. It's went massive in social media again. Um, it's timeless, and it's still so relevant. And Brendan, you actually wrote that about a childhood experience. There's a bit of, a bit of truth behind the song, isn't there, or inspiration behind it from your own? I guess, I guess you could say that the, the setting is accurate to my own experience, that the, um, the summer of 1984 on Long Island is very much this original setting um i wrote about these things in other songs but more specifically but the the general um sort of air of of danger and uh of a lack of identity or finding yourself or trying to understand where you are in the world is the backdrop for that was definitely um new york long island in the in the summer of 1984 mm -hmm. so yeah a bit but uh, but it's it's designed more or less for people to plug themselves into the narrative and frankly that's one of the reasons i think that it that it still makes sense to people because you could kind of make it about yourself when you're singing it uh you can kind of insert yourself and your own time and place and your own struggle for identity into the song and you know um the pronouns are were never important to me i've heard people change them before their their uh their free license as far as i'm concerned and i i think that um i think that that's a become more more of a cultural touchstone identity mm -hmm. yeah over the years you know um trying to find trying to figure out who you are sooner and trying to get feel that stability of 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 knowing yourself it's difficult and i think that that is a kind of a forever struggle so yeah yeah there's there's definitely something to be said for the idea that it really seems to not matter like regardless of 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 gender or orientation or anything like that the sentiment of this song just still seems to resonate with almost everybody again as evidenced by the dirtbag tiktok trend it was hilarious to see all the different interpretations <laughs> of people's teenage dirtbag era because people had very different ideas of what that meant for them yeah and, and we loved that we thought that was great it was like yeah everyone's gonna have their own their own take on what that meant for them but it seems like you know almost everyone had some moments where they felt like the song you know spoke to them 
Incredible. And it's incredible that this song was such a big part of pop culture and just culture growing up. And yet again, here we are, it's kids all over again. And my kids, my, my eldest is, is 11, but I, I have no doubt in the next kind of year or two, you know, she'll, there'll be another wave of it. And she'll be listening to the Teenage Dirt Bag. <laughs> I'll walk into her room. She'll have a plan on Alexa. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. for it. It's no, the, the number of the number of interviews we've done recently, where the interviewer who's like our age has said to us, like, "My kids were so excited. I was talking to you." Yeah, <laughs> which is just hilarious to hear now after all this time. Oh, yeah, it's funny. so cool. And and Brandon as well. You were rocking a bucket hat in that video before they were cool. See every festival in the UK <laughs> now. It's just you've you've probably seen it. It's just a sea of bucket hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know the I, I there's a picture of me wearing a bucket hat when I was about seven years old in the woods, and I and it's very similar to the one in the video. Um, it's just something I've had all the time because I actually did go fishing. You know, when I was a kid. Um. And you used to put your, your, your hooks on it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was like a, it's like a, wasn't something I was wearing actively at the time when I was 27, but it was wearing other types of hats, but it, the video people wanted me to try it. And so I did. And now, now it's in everybody's head, you know, it's iconic. It really is. Um, Another single I wanted to talk about quickly. What's the story with A Little Respect? I loved your version of this song, but why Erasure? Why that song? Well, when I was uh, 14, 15, 16, there was a radio station on Long Island that you could get called WDRE. And this was different from the rest of the United States. For the most part, there weren't radio stations that had this kind of programming. And by that, I mean it was Brit pop. Mm-hmm. It was mostly uh, the Stone Roses, the Smiths, uh, Depeche Mode, um, you know, um, Erasure, the, the rest of the, and eventually um, Ned's Atomic Dustbin and and stuff like that ride and um you know just just beautiful british music or uk music Mm -hmm. um that was out of our reach you know um and otherwise and uh the erasure tracks on on that station stood out for me first of all they sound like nothing else they're these sort of like hybrid acoustic dance pop rock <laughs> ballads right yeah, and they're yeah. they're flawlessly written they're 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 absolute masterpieces uh chains of love and and a little respect in particular those two um and they were those chords were in my head uh when i was still a metallica fan you know like yeah, <laughs> and i yeah. don't mean modern metallica i mean 80s metallica like before like when there were tribes you know yeah you didn't listen you didn't listen to the smiths and metallica you listened <laughs> to one or the other and it was like the erasure tunes just got in me in a way that was that made sense on guitar you know um mm. and i think that's a testimony uh about how they're written they are like i said flawless flawlessly arranged pop masterpieces that are complex and beautiful and have key changes and and um and are also somehow they threaded the needle it becomes easy as a rock song right it translates perfectly so it was just like a no-brainer and it wasn't hard at all to make that music um ourselves having no experience directly of the time because we were a little young you know that music was predated us you know new order and um you know uh the buzzcocks and 
you know, the, the really wonder joy division and the rest of it was sort of like, we didn't understand the context for that music over here as American rock and roll kids or heavy metal kids, you know? So it was mm -hmm. like, it was an eye opener and, and it's, it just made a lot of sense to put on the record. Love that. Love that. Um, fast forwarding a little bit to, I guess, well, the last album that you guys put out was in 2013, the Valentine LP. Obviously recently you put out Wanna Be Gangster um, and Dead Again. Any plans for a larger body of work, a seventh album, anything like that coming? Yeah, seventh album is written and we're in the midst of recording, although it's been on pause between COVID and trying to finish up the 2020 anniversary version of our first album, which has got 20 songs on it. Um, we're almost done with that, by the way. I've got two, I've got one more song to sing and, and two more songs to uh, mix and we're finished with the 20 songs and then we're going to repackage it later in the year for a vinyl double vinyl edition uh remaster and but the uh, album seven has been there are uh three songs from album seven that are currently streamable we released a couple of singles one called tipsy the other called lullaby and on a live record we did a song called michelle so mm -hmm. you can get a little taste of of the seventh album if you want it's pretty experimental it's very very heavy for us lots of heavy metal guitar sounds and weird keyboard sounds and stuff like that um so uh if you're not into that kind of stuff of course the the b-sides or the what we refer to as the lost songs which are the 10 extra tracks from our first album songs from through the years they kind of sounded like they belonged on the first record but we didn't put them out because of that wow. uh, now we've got them packaged as a as the extra 10 tracks for the 2020 edition of our first record so you can go listen to about uh, eight of those right now are currently streaming yeah it's it's it, to to us we keep referring to the seventh album as this like brand new set of songs that we have but we're also like this you know the re the remade version of our first album that's going to have like 10 extra songs i think for fans it's probably going to feel like album seven because it's not it, it's a brand new you know set of material for us that is you know essentially as long as an entire full-length record. For us, it sort of feels like a collection of loose ends. Um, mm -hmm. But among among listeners, I think it's going to feel like, you know, a seventh full-length album. And, and uh, as soon as that's done, then we will go back to what we consider the seventh full-length album, which is what Brendan was just talking about. Yeah, so there's a lot there's of new music. A lot of new music. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of new music that's that's brewing all at once. And, and we're just, you know, it, it feels very different to us, but for listeners, it might just feel, hopefully we, it feels like just a lot of new material from us yeah. coming up soon. If you took that first, that, uh, those, the beat, the lost songs from our first album period, uh, the ones that we're putting out as the extra 10, if you listen to them alone, there's just those 10 songs by themselves. It kind of feels like an alternate universe first album, like the, the yeah. one we oh, didn't wow. put out, you know? So it's kind of, that's the vibe backwards and forwards. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. And I can't wait to see some of these songs live. And if there's one thing that I have to do when I'm still on this planet is see Weedus <laughs> perform Teenage Dirtbag live. And I'm going to get the <laughs> chance because you're coming to Belfast. Unbelievably, you're playing the limelight 24th of October this year. Tickets are on sale at the minute. Um, what can fans expect at a, at a Weedus gig? What is that night going to be like? Well, we're working, we have until September, right? So that's a better part of what, four months, Matthew or so, five maybe. And we're- Yeah, we're, closer to five, I think before the show itself, yeah. We're trying our best to compile a song pool that's maybe 50 or 60 songs deep so that wow. we don't we don't do set lists. So we just like have people call out songs from the audience. And hopefully they'll be the ones in the song pool. We're gonna probably put, post the song pool up 
for evaluation and for choice making for for people to look at because they know what to shout when we show up but um that's about the capacity is learning about but learning 50 songs is tough to keep even 30 in your head you need a lot more rehearsal to keep 50 in your head so it's a lot we don't do teleprompters or or music sheets or anything like that so we got to have it all memorized and that's what we're going to be working on over the summer so that when we show up we have a a deep uh deep song pool to to throw out there that's um, amazing very interactive yeah. and every show is going to be different yep no no two yeah, are the same ever exactly every show is totally different and uh yeah i know for people we get a lot of messages like oh are you going to be playing this or are you going to be playing that and generally speaking what i tell people is show up and yell loud enough and the odds are very good you're going to get what you want because <laughs> that's that's really how we like to do things we, we will often walk on stage not even knowing what the first song we're going to play is wow uh, and, and we just let the crowd you know make a decision and or you know we we vibe off the crowd completely the the length of the show the songs we play all of that is dictated by the audience and uh it makes it a lot more fun for us it makes every show feel more interesting you know if you mm-hmm. go out there at least for us you go out there and you play the same set list every night for eight weeks and it starts to get really weird Oof, you start boring. to feel really yeah, strange yeah, about yeah. what you're yeah. doing so no good it, it keeps us on our toes it makes the you know it creates this sort of conversational feeling with our crowd which we love we like the idea of an audience sort of feeling like they're joining us for a for a rehearsal or for uh you know in our living room as we're running material like that's that's just a way more fun um vibe for us so that's yeah. what we try to channel we like let them in our rehearsal space you know yeah one of the re- the other reason for that is you know a friday night crowd they're not the same as a Sunday night crowd, right? Yeah, if yeah. So if true. you're trying to to enforce this regiment that you've prepared, it's kind of unfair to them. Like you, you should show up and read them, you know, a little bit and kind of vibe the room and see what the people are like coming in. What kind of mood are they in? What kind of weekend have they had? What kind of day have they had? You know, and start that way. Start off that energy. You know, that's that makes it funner for us. Totally. Yeah, that sounds so cool. So Limelight Belfast, 24th of October. Um, some tickets uh, still available through Ticketmaster. So if you're listening tonight, snap those up. Now, guys, just before you go, I've got some quickfire questions, if that's okay. Um, okay. We want to find out more about you guys when um, you were teenage dirtbags, basically. <laughs> so we're gonna jog. We're gonna jog the memory bank now because it is going out on commercial radio. at just after seven o'clock. It's um, they're all they're all fairly clean, fairly safe. Um, well, they're all very clean. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Keep it family. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. Um, the very first record that you bought. Oh man, bought with our, bought with my own money. It was oh yeah probably yeah. Let me think about that. Dirty deeds. Dirty Deeds. It was a vinyl copy of Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap. Uh, mine is not nearly as cool, but I'll still stand by it. I bought the album Pieces of You by Jewel. <laughs> oh, that's better. That's amazing. I'm not sure if that's better than Dirty Deeds done dirt cheap, but you know, I'm going to, it's just, <laughs> this is who I am, you guys. I've, I've the worst one ever. I think I was, <laughs> it was before I discovered you guys. So I was a child, I was, I was eight or nine and I bought the Aqua album. Oh, that's Ooh. the guys, you know, Barbie uh, Girl and Dr. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with a kid buying. That feels like kid music. I can't say that that's, you know, they can't. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to stand by that record, too. There's some there's some bangers on that record. Yeah, that's that's. Really <laughs> I went from Aqua to uh, Weedus and Limp Bizkit very quickly. <laughs> that sounds right to me. That sounds that's good. a leap. That's a leap. <laughs> yeah. um, that makes us a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you remember the name of your first girlfriend? 
God. Definitely, yes. Um, uh, I don't know if you could call it girlfriend, but um, yes, I can. You asking me for that name? Mm-hmm. Just first name, <laughs> just first name. You don't have to, you know, I uh, anybody. Well, just the first girl I kissed, I guess, was her name was Jennifer. Marjorie. Matthew was very quick. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. Shout out to Marjorie. Marjorie. She's listening. What's going on? <laughs> um, who was the first band that you guys saw play live? First band I ever saw play live was Sha Na Na, and that was with my parents, probably in nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine, right off of their Grease uh, blow up, and uh, yeah, it was probably that seventy nine. Then it was Grease, I think, but. Um, I uh, yeah I saw them at Radio City Music Hall and then this first show I ever saw without my parents I was 13 years old it was ACDC at Madison Square Garden wow what see more what a first more cool guy stuff your parents right I know <laughs> I um my first was I went and saw Hootie and the Blowfish Ooh, um, some chains of course yeah I was saying now probably most famous is the old band of Darius Rucker who's probably way bigger now but um at Madison Square Garden I went with my mom. To see Hootie and the Bullfish at Madison Square Garden. Epic venue. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Epic. Um, the first car that you owned? Uh, I inherited my grandmother's Mazda MX-6. That is not a bad first car. It's pretty good. It was very fast. I was an extremely aggressive uh, <laughs> te- teenage New York City driver. I was bad Ooh. news. And I, I had an an Oldsmobile, an Oldsmobile Cutlass. I'm sure that, that, I mean, that makes, I feel like that makes me sound like I'm a thousand years old. Yeah, um, I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, that's a, a not a particularly cool car. Although funny enough, now, if you looked at it in hindsight, I feel like it does have a little bit of that like teenage dirtbag I rock vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's it was funny definitely is not I cool actually, car. I actually inherited my grandmother's car, but your car was way more grandma than mine was. Oh, uh, yeah. It was very much an old person <laughs> car. Like, yeah, yeah, someone someone passed away in that car and then went right to me. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one for you is this evening, guys. Uh, your first job. Uh, first job I ever had was I was uh, worked at a fish market starting at the age of 13. There you go. And my first job also, I think at 13, maybe 14, is I worked at a library and I was uh, responsible for like putting the books away and helping. I was in the kids department, too. So I was like helping little kids find Dr. Seuss books. It was wholesome AF. Yeah, you were you were getting smart and I was learning how to use a knife. I was going to say, yeah, that's why we make a good pair, actually, I think. Well, (laughs) thank goodness that the bond worked out. Yeah, yeah, really. Indeed, for indeed. real. Neither one of these is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, librarian's yeah. a, a really good job, but uh, you know, fishmonger life. Yeah, man, those guys really they work they work themselves to the bone. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like the library job had a ton of opportunity for growth. <laughs> yeah, but but at least it's like you know stimulating. Oh yeah, Bra- yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Well, I don't think there's uh, any doubt of Teenage Dirtbag going away anytime soon in some of the other <laughs> tunes. So just when you're uh, thinking you're about to retire, maybe get that librarian job, it'll blow up again <laughs> on TikTok or whatever new app that we're all using. But uh, Brendan and Matthew from Weedis, it was an absolute pleasure. I can't say how much I enjoyed having you on the show this evening. It was so cool being able to catch you guys. A real like full circle moment for me. Well, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Man. Yeah, Appreciate thanks. It. And yeah, look forward to seeing you guys in Belfast. Can't wait. Limelight, Belfast, 24th of October. Grab those tickets. Wow.
Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you.